Hey, my name is Elisa Kay, and I'm here to teach you how to rise above the noise and say yes to owning an unforgettable, impact-making business. On this podcast, you'll learn how to harness the power of your unique story and use magnetic marketing tools so that you can confidently own your place in your industry. Get ready to transform your marketing to reach more people and finally feel authentically you online. It's time to grow your business with purpose. This is the Own Your Message podcast. Hey, my name is Elisa Kay, and you're about to learn the new way that coaches are building thriving businesses online by rising out from the shadows, owning who they are, and finally understanding the business of coaching. Get ready, because this is where we shed the old age thinking of coaches everywhere and say yes to owning a happy, healthy business that not only impacts people everywhere, but gives you the freedom to do what you want, when you want. This is the Modern Coach Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast and at the time of recording this it is January, Uh, we are in the second week of January and if you are anything like me then perhaps you too have been obsessively thinking about what habits, what are the resolutions, what are the things that you want to achieve this year and I think that it's such a common thing but actually you know interestingly we, our bodies are not necessarily, particularly as women, if you're a woman listening to this, our bodies are not necessarily made to renew and restart and, you know, go into action at this point in time. And I think my body's been telling me that I need to slow down a little bit. Like December was a busy-ish month and over Christmas, I was so ill. Oh my God, the super flu's going going around and I haven't been ill for quite a long time. And I think that is interesting when we are typically in bed or sick or we, you know, we're taking an enforced break, let's call it that, we tend to go down, at least I do, down like a YouTube spiral, right? You're like, I'm not well enough to get up and do things, also, but also I'm not like sick enough to just sleep. So I found myself in this habit research spiral. And I think it's, you know, got a lot to do with the fact that a lot of people create content around habits because that's what is on our mind. But also because I think at the start of the year brings this energy of renewal of here is, you know, here is a marker for progress. And I think it's so important for us to track our progress and for us to think about where, you know, where are we, where are we doing things the same way that could be improved? And where are the things that we want to change? And for me, habits have always been a fairly hard thing to implement. Like I, I think I'm a creative at heart and I like to have lots of space in my calendar, lots of, you know, a lot of room to change my mind. And I think that that's always a really, really good thing to implement in business to create that space for yourself. But equally, there are things as a business owner that you do need to do, right? Like we need to show up, we need to create content, we need to sell, we need to deliver whatever it is that we're selling, right? And we need to ensure customer satisfaction and all of those things that are non-negotiables, aka, you know, there need to be good and productive habits that do ensure the life, you know, the life of the business continuing. And I think there are different things that, there are different habits that your business needs to the habits that you need. And I think there's an interesting distinction to think about. 
But as I was sort of researching specifically habits around like health and and investigating different mind-body connection tools and thinking about what are the things that I want to do more of next year, for me that's definitely, or this year rather, I keep saying next year, tell me I'm not alone doing this, you know, this year or next year gets very confusing in January. To be honest, like by, by March, I usually will start writing the correct dates at the top of my paper, but in January, it's so difficult, so difficult to remember that you are now in like, you know, an extra digit along. And I think that that is an interesting thing to also think about that, you know, like our brain likes these bookends almost, and that it's normal to think about these things. At the same time, though, there are, you know, it's easier to stop doing certain things than it is to start doing things. So I thought I would give you a different take on habits and how I think about them. Because at the end of the day, we all, everything that we do is a form of habit. And everything that we implement is, you know, you either have a habit around this thing or you don't. And I think that for you to have the best 2023 and beyond, no matter when you're listening to this, there are certain things that I think we should all stop doing and things that I'm committing to stop stopping doing this year. And the one habit that I think that every single person listening to this, aka you specifically, need to implement if you don't yet. So why habits, right? Everyone's talking about them over the next few weeks, over this week. But depending on where you get your numbers, somewhere between 81% and 92% of New Year's resolutions habit fail you know? So that means that no matter where you're at, 81 to 92% of people stop doing the things that they say they will do. And I mean, I know that we are in the coaching space, we're in the transformation space, most of the people that listen to this podcast are in this industry. And I think that that's an interesting thing too, is that like clearly there is demand for people changing, otherwise we would, you know, as coaches we would not have jobs. But isn't it sad to think about the fact that 92%, like if we take that highest percentile, 92% of people don't believe in the fact that they can change. Otherwise, they would keep carrying on the habit, right? They either think it's too hard, they haven't fully committed. You know, there are all of these reasons why a habit might not stick or a resolution that might not stick. Like I've been saying for years that I want to learn a language and then it never happens. You know, and there are different things, but is, is it that... If I really, really, really wanted to or needed to learn a language, you bet you that I would already speak 20, you know? And I think that's an interesting thing to think about as well, is that why do we set these resolutions? We spend all of this time thinking about all the things that we want to change and then don't actually take action. Like that, this is something that really fascinates me. And I've been, you know, talking to my coach about this and about the fact that I find it so frustrating when I'm talking to friends or family and they're complaining about their lives and I'm very like solutions focused. So if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me I have this problem, I have this problem, I have this problem, my original and initial reaction is, okay, so let's create a plan and let's solve this problem. Now, there are two things to hear. Number one, and I'm learning this, not every single problem needs a solution or is able to be solved, you know, from the get-go. That's thing number one. But thing number two is that most people don't want to change. They like to argue for their limitations. They like, you know, they, they create, I think it's called like secondary benefit, basically, where 
whatever is the negative thing that you are thinking or feeling or actively doing gives you a form of benefit, aka like if I want to lose weight, but I don't, talking from my own personal experience of this, there is a benefit to me not doing the things that will enable me to then go and lose the weight, aka it means I don't have to like get up at 6am to go to the gym, or it means that I don't have to like, you know, cook in advance. It means that I don't have to give up my delivery habit or whatever it may be, right? So there are always benefits to all of these limitations. There are always benefits to us not doing, you know, the habits that we want to do. So I think instead of thinking about what are the habits that I want to implement, I've been thinking about what are the habits that I want to stop and what are the habits that I've stopped in the past that have been so, so, so helpful in, you know, creating better habits because let's face it, if you replace a habit, right, if you remove a habit, then something else will take its place, right? That's just how life works. So I've been thinking about all of these things and what I can share with you from this perspective. And I think that, you know, because we want to change, we want to believe that we can be different. And that is the beauty of the coaching space. So what if instead of thinking about what are the habits we want to implement, we start thinking about what are the habits that we need to stop, And I think that that tiny shift can sometimes create the biggest and best results and the biggest and best transformations in my experience. So here are the three habits that I want you to stop doing in 2023. Number one, and this is a surprising one because I have seen literally, like while I was in my doom scroll spiral, I've seen at least five videos on the morning routine and like how to optimize your day for success. And I actually want everyone to stop with the rigid morning routine. Stop kidding yourself with a 5 a.m. wake up time. You know, I, I've i read the 5 a.m. club. I, you know, have been fortunate enough to be at a, a few talks and events with um, Hal Elrod, who actually wrote the book. He's a really fascinating man. The thing is that he's a man and he has a full-time caregiver, aka, like, I think he, he has kids and his wife takes care of them and his only job is to wake up at 5 a.m and do the things that are on his to-do list the reality for most people is that that's not their life the reality for most specifically women and and people who take care of kids is that they don't have the luxury of getting up at 5 a.m and locking themselves in an office for a four-hour morning mindset practice and you know I think In my early 20s, I was listening to all of these coaches who were similarly like without kids and without responsibilities. And like I'm in that privileged position to an extent where I too don't have that many responsibilities in my life. And I think that a lot of the women that I work with really struggle with this. They they hear all of these 5 a.m. wake up time and stay up later, carve an extra hour of the day. But having, you know, helped raise kids and been a tutor for so long and worked in the in the children's industries for such a long time in my previous professional career most mums specifically are overwhelmed super tired and they're like I just need to sleep and I think that the worst thing that you can tell a new mom to do is to sacrifice her sleep at the expense of basically you know like the expense of their health that just fosters burnout it fosters terrible relationships with yourself 
And I think it's unhealthy. I don't think that we should be listening to advice from people who don't have the lives that we want, particularly when it comes to our habits and our, you know, and our well-being. And I think a lot of these productivity books, podcasts, etc., are written by very smart men, don't get me wrong, but they don't have the lives that we women do. And it just always really frustrates me that we are listening to this advice from people who don't have our lives. Like one of my coaches talks about how he gets up at, you know, he goes to bed really, really late, he wakes up really early, he does these like crazy mindset cave sessions, etc. Like more power to him, but also he doesn't have kids, you know? And I think that if you are in that space, and I hear so many, specifically mums, and this might not relate to you if you're not a mum, but so many, specifically mums, and people who have other responsibilities, whether they are looking after ill family members, or they have, you know, neurodivergent um, things that they need to take care of, or they have, um, you know, long-term health implications, and so on and so forth, they are not, like, peak performance, able to go and Wim Hof themselves at 4am in the Brighton Sea. And I think that's, if that's you, by the way, great, like, more power to you, great discipline, but the majority of people are not in that space, and I think we should think about what are the blueprints that we're following. Now, that's not to say that if you don't, you know, if you want to commit to the 5am thing, more power to you. Try it. You know, there are always exceptions to the rule. But I think if we start thinking about what what are the lives that we want to have and how can we optimize them for success for us? What does that look like, you know? So that's thing number one. And thing number two is I found, you know, I, I again, I do not have children, as I have said in this podcast. Um, and when I do look after my little sister, you know, my days are just very, very, very different. So this is why I'm able to sort of relate and, and talk about this because when I'm looking after her, my day is supremely different to when I'm waking up by myself and I have only got myself and my partner to sort of take care of, you know, or vice versa. On the flip side of that, when I had a rigid morning routine where it was like, I have to journal and I have to tap and I have to do all of these mindset practices and I want to work on my money and like I need to burn a money candle and I need to like meditate and tai chi and like release the energy and da 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 like all of these things that I think a lot of the the mindset-y world tells us to do was actually so mentally and emotionally draining that by the time it was time to do the work I'd done so much mindset processing that I was too exhausted to actually do the needle-moving activities in my business. Now, again, I am not saying stop doing your mindset work or stop working on yourself or stop, you know, exploring the issues of your brain management. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is perhaps doing, you know, deep therapy work first thing on Monday morning isn't going to set you up for the most productive day ahead. Because there are different types of mindset work that people do. And I think I see the common pitfall that a lot of people fall into where they are doing this deep, you know, rooted trauma processing work first thing in the morning and they're not setting up their week for success. So instead of thinking about how can I cramp all of this mindset work in at the beginning of my morning... I want you to let go of the rigid morning routine. What are the things that are going to give you energy in the morning instead of take your energy away? 
And that may be waking up at 5 a.m., by the way, but for most people, that's not going to be the case. Most people are going to say, you know, if I'm going to do a tapping, I'm going to do a setup, you know, productive day tapping, for example, something I like to do, or like a magical, there's one specific one, I'll link it in show notes, like a magical morning, I'm going to have a magical morning tapping, basically, that I like to do as well, or, you know, a, med- a little quick meditation for, for waking up and being brighter, like, those little short, fun, little bursts of energetic, basically, maintenance are fantastic to do in the morning. What isn't fantastic is, let me explore my deep childhood wounds first thing on Monday, and then you're, like, processing for three days, and you're wondering, why haven't I been as productive this week? So, I when I flipped this switch where I was like, you know what, I'm going to only do energizing things that set me up for success in the morning. And I'm going to do my, you know, deep exploratory work in specific time blocks in my calendar, where I'm going to give myself space to process the next day or the day after. It literally revolutionized my life. Because for years and years, I had all these mindset coaches being like, do your mindset work at the top of the day. And it just drained all of the life force out of me. And, you know, obviously there are all of these benefits to then clearing and processing and shifting. But in my experience, doing it first thing when you need to, you know, create content, write that email, talk to the people, sell your packages, you know, promote your thing, work your launch plan, whatever it may be, that requires you to show up on your A game and your business needs a different habit from you. So I say burn down the rigid morning routine, give yourself more space and think about what is going to give you energy versus take your energy away. And I'm going to give you the one habit that I think you should start at the end that I think should replace your rigid morning routine. Um, other things that I really like actually is a side note. I love showering in the morning. I'm like, I'm a double day showerer. So I, I need to shower before I go to bed to wash away the day. Um, I will argue with anyone who argues with me because, you know, coming into the bed with all of the debt of the day is just wrong and gross. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. We have this conversation in my household all the time where my, my partner's like, oh, why do I need to shower at the end of the day? I'm like, because you are gross. You have all of the day on you. But equally, I like showering in the morning too, particularly like I um, I do like a cold morning shower, actually, because I think it revitalizes you. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good little like tip. If you're struggling to wake up, jump into a quick shower. I'm not saying, you know, shower for hours and hours, but that typically gets my body moving first thing in the morning. And then I go into my work routine because that's when I'm the most productive, you know? Um... So thing number one. Thing number two, which also links to your rigid morning routine, is picking up your phone and checking Voxer, email, or business things first thing in the morning. I developed this habit at the end of last year, and it's just a terrible habit to develop, FYI, because it sort of got me addicted to checking things. And even though I might not have responded to things immediately, it was like a peace of mind thing, I guess. Or, I don't know, it's just a weird habit that I developed. I'm not really sure where it stemmed from. I think it was, like, post-launch. Like, when you're doing a bigger launch and you're checking the stats, I think you you can sometimes get addicted to that feeling of checking the stats and checking the data. And, like, watching that growth is both satisfying in some respects or frustrating in others, depending on where you are in your launch schedule, you know? So, 
Instead of picking up your phone and checking Voxer or email or your business things, ideally, you know, I would like you to stop with the phone altogether. I find this so difficult. I have tried different alarm clocks. It just, they just don't necessarily jive with me. So that's a habit that I'm working on. But what I have found is a sort of stopgap is instead of me opening up my email and checking, you know, whatever, it might be Stripe or something else, the first thing that I now do is I queue up something interesting and mind expanding for the morning. So in in my nighttime routine, what I tend to do is actually queue up a podcast or a, or a video or a program that I'm working through first thing in the morning that is going to expand my brain. I've been loving the Diary of a CEO podcast, on specifically on YouTube. Like, I love watching those videos. So I found myself going through my morning routine, watching that, because they're quite long. I can stop and start them, you know? So that's something that I found really, really beneficial just for me and my sort of mental health is instead of just picking up and checking all the notifications, which by the way, I then tend to miss, right? If I'm not focused on notifications or answering the specific things, then what tends to happen is I then lose things or I lose a tag or, you know, like even people tagged me in in a bunch of my groups at the beginning of um, January, but because I was sick, I still wasn't answering things. So I missed replying to those tags. So I think, you know, it's it's a work in progress for me, for sure, like my relationship with my phone. And I think we, we all have that little bit of addiction to the devices that are in our lives. And I think that's something that really want to work on this year for sure. And one of the things that I found the most beneficial is again, like queuing up something and watching it instead of just obsessing over work or thinking, what do I need to do? Um, It's just better for creative juices for me. And also it's just expanding, you know? And then three is to stop being the dumping ground for your family and friends. If you're a coach You coach clients, not friends. If you're a strategist, you don't give strategies to your friends, you give strategies to your clients. I think it's so easy to slip into coach mode or, you know, expert mode or therapy mode or whatever it may be. And I think most people in my world are very much of the giving capability, aka we like to give, we like to, you know, give our attention, love, we like to hold space for people like the majority of the people that I work with, I would say uh, would would consider themselves givers. And I think as givers, it's so hard to switch that off, but it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Like the, the majority of the time, we can't go into coach mode with people who haven't paid us because they haven't opted into that relationship. So you're actually doing yourself and them a disservice by giving them advice that they don't actually need or want. So it's really, really, really important for you to set boundaries and take care of your own well-being first. And, you know, if friends come to me and they say, hey, Lisa, I really need your advice on this thing, then I will give them that advice. But unless they have come to me with that, I tend to try and stay neutral and I tend to try and turn that superpower off. Now, sometimes I'm not the best at doing this, aka I will say to people, stop whining about this, stop complaining, change the things. You know, and I think that's that's something definitely, again, that I've been thinking about how can I stop doing that? Because it's not helpful advice for most people and they just want to be heard, not necessarily 
coached, you know? And I think this is this is something that it took me such a long time to to see with my friends specifically that I'm going into coach mode when I just need to be in friend mode and friend mode tends to be more holding space and listening versus offering solutions and advice. So I think that's a boundary that every single one of us can set and think about how can what's what would feel good to me in these interactions with family and friends? What do I need to implement to not slip into that mode that perhaps isn't as productive or isn't as appreciated in those contexts? Um, and I think, you know, supporting loved ones without sacrificing your own mental health is really, really important. Like, that's why we have, we're tribal beings, right? We, we want to be in packs just as, as animals, right? But for me, I think that you, you have to put your oxygen mask on first is, you know, one of the most cliche, but really, really useful sayings. And that if you are forever expanding your energy and basically depleting it, trying to help all of these people around you, they will eventually become dependent on you and that's not a healthy dynamic to be in. So sure, you know, point people to resources, tell them, hey, like I really think you would benefit from some coaching, not from me, but like maybe there are some resources that you could check out. Or, you know, like I, I said to one of my friends recently, like I really think you should consider going to therapy. Like this, this seems like a problem that you want to explore with a professional who can give you the tools to to cope with these things. Now, could have I could have I given her five strategies to get her started? Sure, but that's not my job. I she's not paying me to give her advice or coaching. She's my friend, you know, and all I can do is hold space, give her support and give her the next best step that I think will suit her the most. And, you know, I think there is a, there's definitely a difference between therapy and coaching. And I think as as coaches specifically, um, it's really, really important that you understand what that distinction is and understand where to direct people for what. And I think a lot of coaches specifically are confused about this. So I think no matter what type of modality or transformative practice you'll you like to do or you, you like to implement, it's really, really important that you think of this as like, this is the, the gift that is reserved for my clients and my relationships with my friends and family is very, very different. And as a side note, I as a rule, I tend to not work with friends or family. I have done this in the past and it has never really been fruitful in the way that I would want it to. So it's not that you can't work with friends and family, you can, but in my experience, it creates more problems than it's actually worth. And the relationship is just different with a friend than it is, and a family member than it is with let's say, a client who sees you as an expert and is there and willing to be coachable. That's an episode for another day. But I think that, you know, from my perspective, I have to put me first to be the best version of me for myself, for my clients, for my business, for the people that I am impacting, ultimately. And I think that expleting your energy and giving your energy away with that, without any conscious thought is one of the biggest mistakes and one of the biggest habits that I see a lot of really incredible, powerful people do because they're just not thinking about it. And I think the first step to basically fixing that problem is to create that boundary internally. And it typically solves, I would say, about 80% of the issues because you have that personal boundary in place. And then the rest of the 20%, it depends on the situation, you know, but 
I think having that boundary internally will help you so, so much if it's not up, you know? And then finally, one habit that you, I, I think that every single person, but you specifically need to start is the writing habit. So what I've started doing is, you know, as well as creating this personal boundary, as well as, you know, having this habit where I'm, you know, brushing my teeth in the morning and listening to something that's interesting and stimulating, and I've given up this, you know, rigid morning routine where I'm tapping into all the past trauma of the world, the one habit that I have started doing that I, that I, developed actually at the beginning of my business journey and it was one of the most profoundly expansive incredibly helpful business moving activities was my writing habit so I actually created this this thing called the 60 minute marketing method where for 60 minutes each morning I would write and I would think about my thoughts and and processes and think about what is it that I have to say in the morning and I think that the writing habit is the, is the habit that every single one of us must start if it's not already implemented. And I would definitely encourage everyone to put it at the top of their calendar, at the top of their schedule. Um, because, you know, the benefits of a consistent writing practice are incredible. You know, I'm not necessarily talking so much about journaling, just like writing anything, writing a post, writing a caption, writing for yourself, starting to write that book. Like writing for me has been one of those exploratory things. And what I write in my journal then, let's say, is moved to my Instagram, is moved to my Facebook, is moved to whatever the next platform will be, you know, in the future. So I think it, the the practice of writing helps you not only get your thoughts clear on paper, but also helps you connect on a deeper level with your audience. And I think just most people are not showing up the way that they want to. And I think for for the last year, to be frank, I've been dealing with so much personal stuff that I haven't had that writing habit in the same way. I was almost sort of blocking myself from doing that uh, because like, you know, the, the thing that I said in therapy recently is that all of these feelings were so overwhelming and conflicting that I didn't my brain was like, I'm too overwhelmed to even think about this. So therefore that writing habit slipped. And I have actually realized that it it actually hindered the progress on the healing journey versus actually creating something that I want to stick to. So I think for me, writing is a creative habit. It's one of the things that definitely I think every single person needs to think about creating the space and the time in that calendar to do that, to do that intentionally and to keep showing up for yourself. Um, and, you know, there are so many different, there are so many different benefits to it, whether it's, you know, I'm not even necessarily talking about content writing habit. I'm talking about writing for yourself at this juncture in time. But I think, you know, writing for yourself tends to be the best content. So it's like a secret, you know, a secret that I think is, is now, has now been revealed, but is definitely one of the things that I want you to think about. Um, specifically. So how do we create a building, how do we create and build a habit that sticks, particularly a writing habit? Well, I think, you know, setting an intention or a frequency goal, aka like how, how frequently do you want to do this? For me, when I started my business, I was like, if I write for 60 minutes a day, I will become a better writer. So set that intention or the frequency. Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Is it once a, you know, is it once a day? what's the what's the vibe here give yourself a window for tracking progress is number two 
I think because here's the thing, anything creative that you do or anything, you can't, you can't learn what you can't measure, right? And I think it's one of those great little maxims. And no matter what you're doing, I think not tracking your progress can be one of the, like, the deadly sins because it creates resistance in your brain and there's all this interesting and fascinating science behind why we want to track the progress. So give yourself a window for tracking progress, for sure. It's like, when I first started the 60-minute marketing method, it was like, I could only write so much in that 60 minutes. And then the frequency and the length of the writing or the, the, the quality of the writing improved and I was able to track that progress using metrics that I designed. Number three, in terms of like tips and strategies for building a writing habit, is stop thinking you can be a six-figure content writer on day one. You know, like you don't go into a new career thinking, you know, I deserve to be paid a million dollars an hour to be this thing with no experience, no practice, and no mastery. You know, and I think a lot of people start writing whether that's journaling whether that's content creation specifically and they expect to just be amazing at it and I'm like wait a second you haven't written content ever or you you you've you're only like on week one of your journey or you're like a year into this but you haven't written content consistently like I hear this phrase people are like I'm building up the bank the bank of what like how can you know what the bank needs to look like if you have never tested your content so post it, get that, you know, get that feedback and some of your content is going to suck and some of your writing will suck and that's okay. You know, not every, not every single one of us needs to be a best-selling author, but in order to get there, you need to actually have the practice and you need to have the consistency and the habit to get there. I think that setting up systems for starting is so, so, so important and I might actually record like a separate podcast around this and like... What I mean by that is setting up a system for for you to start, whether that's an empty desk, whether that's a like a, a trigger basically that kickstarts that habit. Uh, but that's really, 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 really important is that you set yourself up for success from the beginning, no matter what you do. And then, you know, number five, I would say that thinking about what type of creator you are, do you need prompts to write? Do you need accountability? Do you need peers? Do you need feedback? What's like, what's the thing that will actually help you get started? You know, and this is something that I was thinking about actually in the context of the gym. Like most people say, find a partner, find a buddy, do the things, do the health journey together. And I think that's a really, really interesting advice for other areas of life too. AKA, if you want to start a writing habit, Think about what are the things that you need and how you you are best motivated to actually get started. Because the more writing that you do, the more content you will have, the more essentially attention you have the capability of getting through the different social media channels. And let's face it, you're a business owner and business owners these days need to publish a lot of content because the content is what actually creates that trust, that, that visibility and that know and like to help people essentially say, there is no one else but you. I didn't even look at other portfolios because you are so good. I didn't think about a different coach because I just love your content so much. The way that we get out of charging per hour and charging per session and you know convincing people to buy is by creating content that shows people that you are the only option, you are unforgettable. So, you know, I think that right, the writing habit is the first step to that for sure. And it's one of the best things that, one of the best habits that I implemented at the beginning of my business that I think, you know, everyone should re- revisit and do this year. 
So yeah, I think I think those are the things that I want you to think about this week is what are the things that, you know, you need to stop doing and what are the things that you want to start doing this year? And I would love for you to share some of those with me on Instagram. Um, I'll link down my Instagram in the description. But you can find me just by searching my name across all the places. Um, so yeah, come and share your resolutions, your goals with me this year. Do you want to start a writing habit? Let's talk about best ways to implement that for you specifically. And for now, I will speak to you next week. Have an incredible day. Are you stuck in a loop of cookie cutter content feeling like you can't find your voice or the confidence to show up authentically? Good news, Magnetic Mavens is here to help you be unforgettable. Our membership will get you to break free from the monotony of copycat content and find your unique power story. In this membership, you'll create a consistent writing habit to stay ahead of your content creation and take back control of your plan without any of the overwhelm. It's time to leave the bland and boring content behind and own your message with integrity and fun. Join the Magnetic Mavens today. Head to alisa-k.com forward slash magnetic to register right now.